So, Robert, we can continue from the last time that we talked, and this time that you're you're saying that you're actually uh, putting some effort in then to practice to remember. Yes. Yeah, I'm not just like letting it be, you know, whenever I remember to do it, I'll do it because I find that doesn't really work for me. Then I'll remember to do it and try to do it. Well, and try to do it, and it, try to do it. It, it does once you get the rhythm going. Yes. But yes. you have to put that time in that we can call seclusion time. And that we need to build that up. And so this is one of the reasons why it's better to practice several times a day for short times rather than a long time once a day. It's because you're starting to develop that remembrance to go practice. And so I would recommend that you start doing that formally and then the gaps will fill in. But you need to keep that uh, that rhythm going. And so I'd say the first time to start it is when you're still in bed in the morning. Okay. Before you get out of bed. Yeah. Start thinking about, wow, this is really nice. I could lay here and take a deep breath and just enjoy this moment. It's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do that for about five or 10 minutes. And then later, um, let us say, it depends upon how you get to work, but the, during the transportation to work, even if it's driving a car, you can do that in the sense of, all right, I'm going to watch every breath and I'm going to stay mindful and I'm going to practice while I am watching the road and the surroundings. That part of the practice is visual contact. And so that gives you another opportunity. And then lunch is a time for mindful eating. And so we pay close attention to what the food is doing in the mouth. It's all in the breathing and what kind of thoughts that we're having. Thoughts of gratitude for the food. Wow, isn't this good nourishment? Etc. like that. So now we've got what? Four times a day already set out. Then going back home during transportation, if you're sitting on a, a, a ferry or a train or a bus or whatever, that makes it all the easier, but you can still mindfully drive, intentionally so. And so at night, when you get into bed, that's the best time to practice. A lot of people say, oh, I practice meditation before I go to bed. And I'm saying that in bed is the best time to do it, is to get in there and really relax and really enjoy the moment. No place to go and nothing to do. And I can just lay here in the bed and just enjoy it. Wow, this feels so good. but we're actually doing that by intention and plan to start taking those times a day or whichever ones that you would like to choose. You get about five, six, seven of them. Six is a good number. Six times a day, 10 minutes. That's only an hour. But look how many times we're really putting the effort into doing it for 10 minutes.
Thank you. Thanks. That's going to be my um, plan going forward. And yeah, that's a really good point, especially about eating meditations. I already know about that, but I never actually do it. I'm always like watching something while I'm eating and just mm -hmm. being distracted. And that's like a perfect opportunity because there's like a whole sense store there that never gets used. I'd never normally use. Mm -hmm. um, um, another thing that I've um it's like there's there's like different kinds of wholesome states that i'll get into where i'll have like let me think how to explain so like one of them is like a productive state so i'm like in a really productive focused mood but i'm in a good mood but i'm like energized and i'm like very desirous like i'm really trying to like get something done and I'm really strongly motivated and desiring like the goal of the task, completing the task. So it's kind of like a state, um, but it's still wholesome. And then there's other ones where it's more like relaxed, where I'm just like laying in, in bed, like when I'm falling asleep, for example, and I'm really relaxed and it's like not desirous at all. It's just completely like no, nothing to do, nowhere to go, just relaxing. Um, and then I become very sleepy very quickly and kind of like I've been instead of just having it where I'm like um, I'm just focusing on having it like be wholesome. I've kind of been focusing to try and make it like become one of these like specific kinds of wholesome states. Mm -hmm. Sometimes like when I just try to gladden the mind, like if I have to get something done and I like to like a wholesome state where I'm like so detached from getting it done like I won't have any motivation to do it anymore and then like that can kind of backfire on me and then like I might have negative thoughts like hey you should do this and stuff which I know it's like more negative thoughts but right I guess so it's, it's a slight difference in the positive thought like I can do this or wow this is fun I can do this email right now I've already thought about it too much and now it's time to do it and lickety split no problem yeah, yeah, it exactly. It still has exactly. the attitude of being a winner, though. Yes, that's it. That's it. It's that attitude. Like, I still have the winner mindset. I'm out of the, the victimhood and the dukkha <laughs> into the satisfaction, and I'm enjoying whatever's happening. Um, I, I notice as well, I have this thing with whenever I try to do, like, long formal sits, so, like, more than 30 minutes, um, I fall asleep, and... Um, so I was trying Except to cultivate that nowadays, you know, that you were falling asleep in the old days when you were doing it, you thought that was good meditation. <laughs> true, true. I know That's I've been there, point. done that. <laughs> um, but I was trying to like, in my meditations, bring in some of this, I guess, um, motivated kind of desirous form of satisfaction so that I could like stay alert during the meditations and sometimes it works sometimes it backfires sometimes I'll go like too much effort and then I'll get stressed out like I'll be very awake but I won't be satisfied anymore so I'll be like super uh, have you ever heard of the middle path yeah, yeah, you mentioned it. Yeah, exactly so. So we need to find that balance point, and that's what you're discovering now. 
But the fulcrum for that balance point is the positive winner's attitude. That's what keeps that. But recognize that when we say middle way and balance, think about a teeter-totter. You know what is a teeter-totter? That may yeah, not be like the a word that you play. What the kids play on, right? Okay. Now, if we kept that teeter-totter completely level, 100% level, 100% of the time, what value is it? Uh, zero. Zero, right. right. No, the teeter-totter is not just designed for, but mimics the reality of up and down and up and down and up and down. And so the balance has to become a dynamic balance. That balance then, uh, the middle path becomes a dynamic balance that I sometimes use with the phrase sea lakes. Have you ever heard me talk about sea lakes? Yeah, like staying, staying balanced on a boat in like a storm, like. Right, or, or just in heavy weather, right. And the, okay. and the, and the, uh, the deck is not flat and solid. It's like a teeter-totter. And we and normal uh, land is like flat and level. But on the deck of the ship, it's back and forth. And how's your balance? Are you going to be careening into things because you don't have sea legs? Or are you going to be able to stay in balance even though things are going up and down in your life? And not only that, but now we can actually begin to regulate that. That you probably have done this. You can stand on that teeter-totter with your legs and balance it, but you can also lean and, and make the teeter-totter lean back and forth. The reality is, is that you're in charge of this. Your attitude goes up and down, and you can begin to see that too. And the best way to do it is the recognition of the uh, of the wholesome attitude, whether there is something to do actually in reality or that there's nothing to do in the actual reality. In both cases, you got it. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. got it. Yeah, I, I feel the like the winner's attitude. I feel like I certainly like the latter perspective as like nothing to do, but I like it because I strongly crave uh, just like being kind of lazy and not doing anything. So I like it like because I feel like it, it in a sense gives me like permission to do that, to like let go of like my rules. Like you said, like I should be productive, like that's a rule in my head. Like. It gives me, I guess, permission to let that go. But obviously, like, there is a time when I do need to, like, handle these things, at which point I, I need to I need to have this this other kind of attitude where I'm, like, very energized and active and stuff, but still satisfied. Like, if I'm exercising outside, like, going for a jog, like, mm -hmm. um, I'm probably going to go for a jog after this call, for example, and I was just, it just came into my head, and I was thinking about it, and I was like, 
man, I, I don't want to do that. You know, I'd rather just stay stay in bed or and just like stay inside and just relax. And then I was like, well, you know, if I can make it so that my attitude is happy and it's also enjoying, you know, the, moving the body through space, like that kind of feeling, like mm-hmm. I'm enjoying that type of activity, that type of pattern of sensations in reality. It's like, uh, it's it's kind of like, it's like I need to be able to have, be able to keep that winner's attitude despite these different like modes that I have to be in at different times in, in the day and in the week. Right. And in fact, that's exactly why we want to learn by practicing and by developing the skill in solitude. In our case, those six times a day is when we want to keep coming back to that, developing that right noble attitude with Mm -hmm. gladdening the mind and breathing deep and really enjoying doing nothing. So that mm-hmm. then we can take that uh, enjoyment of doing nothing and put it to good work. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Rather gotcha. than having to lose that feeling of joy and satisfaction and doing nothing, losing it because now I've got to go work. And so it's okay to feel bad because I've got to work now. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing is, is for me, it's like these, it's like transitioning between these different modes of being, that tends to be a part where I'll really lose my balance and I'll, the teacher title will fall into unwholesomeness mm-hmm. and I'll get off track is, yeah, it's going well, from like, that's okay. And it's okay for you to notice it and to make that your friend. It's new education material. Right, right. Okay. And you say, aha, these are the times when I'm most likely to lose it. So you look at the environment, you look at the situation, and you'll note that saying, aha, next time, when these set of circumstances arise, I'm going to keep it together. You can actually plan on advance. You can actually think about scenarios that would be really tough nookie, really tough going, and think about how you're going to handle that. Wisely, comfortably, and happily. Rehearse. Mm-hmm. So you can rehearse with nothing to do, and everything is okay and, and easy going. Then we can rehearse with work. And then we can rehearse in, let us say, the dry run of a nuclear attack. Or what they call in uh, art, a dress performance, a dress rehearsal. You don't have an audience yet, it's not real yet, but you're going through every motion for rehearsal, okay? This is basically what we're doing. We're rehearsing how to play Robert's Song of Life. I like that. That that actually that makes a little next time um like I go for a run outside and I end up feeling really tired and miserable and not having a good time on it. 
I, I can think to myself, next time I do this, I'm going to make sure to think like this type of wholesome thought. I'm going to be thinking about, you know. Ah, but let's that, not do it I, in the sense I, of next time. Okay. From what I gather, you're talking about you're out on a run and all of a sudden you recognize you don't like it. Yeah. And now yeah. you're planning like, for the I, future. How do I stop that? Like, yeah, how, how do I stop that happening? And that's again? exactly right. That You got the answer. How do you stop? By stopping. You just stop. In this case, the running. Stop the running. Just stop. If you don't mind, I'll quote a sutta for you. It's, this is in the Sutta Napata, and the Sutta Napata is uh, well known through, with the scholars to be some of the most ancient stuff that, uh, that much of the uh, Sutta Napata was either memorized early in the Buddhist career or actually written down already in the Buddhist career. That in fact, uh, in the Anguttara Nikaya, it refers to the Sutta Dipata by name and Sutta name, which is very interesting. So this is very, very old, all right? And the story is, is that the guy is running. He's out for a run. And then the thought occurs to him, why am I running when I could walk? And while he was walking, he noticed a shade tree and he says, why should I continue to walk in the sun when I can stand in the shade of that tree? And when he goes to the shade of the tree, he decides, oh, well, why should I stand when I can sit down and lean on the tree? And while he was sitting there, he was saying, well, why don't I go ahead and lay down? Okay, so now you're out on a run. And you're asking how to stop. Well, what you can do is you can stop running and start walking. Then you can stop walking and stand. And then you can sit down on the curb. And say, I don't have to stand up and start running again until I like it. Right then and there. Okay. It, remember, everything that we're talking about here has to do with immediate, right here, right now. That's <laughs> all there is. And here you're saying, next time I'm on a run, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like you're on a run how, right that's... now. Right. So if you don't like on the run right now, stop the running. Slow down. Mm. It's like like change my environment into something where I can gladden the mind, where I am able to to start thinking wholesome again and get back on right. track. If that's in that scenario or in that circumstance, we could say become secluded from the running for a little while so that you get your mind back together. Right, right, right. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Get away from that it makes all. makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. So if you're not enjoying what you're doing, the first thing to do is to stop doing it. Mm -hmm. So an example of that is you're angry 
and you're yelling at somebody. And as soon as you wake up to that, the first thing to do is to stop, which means to shut your mouth, to shut up. <laughs> and that's the first thing to do is to stop talking. So for you out on the run, the first thing you do is you stop running. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It's simple, isn't it? It is. It's very simple. Go back into it's seclusion. From the running or whatever, and get your mind back together again. Right, right. We into the seclusion kind of then and there so that we can recollect ourselves. And then we exit seclusion with our improved mindset. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great, great. Yeah, that that that, that makes a lot of sense. I'm following. Mm. Well, Laurent is is calling. So uh, I'll I'll talk to him after I I talk to you. Um, I was already on a call this morning and some new person called and then he didn't hang around. So uh, we'll hear from them later. So I think in the background you can hear the the Skype music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can hear it. yeah. It was interesting. It started ringing and I was just entering seclusion like mid call. <laughs> it's kind of a funny like example, but I felt like I was getting like I was like worrying about like what to say to you next, and I was like, and that was like stressing me out. So I like closed my eyes and did some deep breathing to like kind of slow down my like fast-paced energy, my um, desirous, driven, stressy like energy. You know. Mm. Mm -hmm. go to like a slower pace kind of slow it down and just like get back to wholesomeness <laughs> it's, it's crazy like the thing that the thing that i feel like really trips me up a lot is that is that sometimes wholesomeness is like it's not the same formula every time like it has to be like different for each circumstance like sometimes mm -hmm. it's slowing down and then other times like if i'm really sad like I need to actually like I know you described it before I described it this way I said like pump myself up like get excited get like hyped up like um I need to like I need to like actually like kind of actively kind of feel like I'm creating the feelings of pity and sukha and really yeah I get a lot of like pity going and just be like really excited and hyped up and stuff and then at other times when I'm stressed, it's like the opposite of that. And I'm trying to let the air out of, of the balloon, so to speak, and like relax. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, um, I don't know. I don't know what to ask. It's just, it's kind of crazy. Like, it's, I think my problem might be like confusion, maybe. Like, I get confused as to knowing which one I should be doing at a given time. Like, I'm like, should I create happiness or should I, like, try to let go of stress? You know, like, which which is the right one to do at a given time? I don't know if you I have any. I would say um, that they're the same or they're similar. 
Um, uh, you sound like Tarzan swinging on the vine saying, should I grab hold of that other vine before I let go of this one? And the answer is, is one smooth motion. One smooth motion. Mm -hmm. One smooth motion of letting go of the dukkha and picking up the sukha. Not much to it. Think about a conveyor belt and whatever product there's on it, some uh, some of it is good and you want it and some of it is bad. It could be tomatoes or you're picking out the bad tomatoes, right? Mm -hmm. Or it could be a trash and you're looking for a particular thing like, well, they separate metal with a, with a magnet. But let us say you're looking for cardboard or you're looking for paper and all of the other plastic and whatnot, right? Okay, mm -hmm. so that's the way to do it is begin to become selective in all of the trash that comes by in front of you. And let it let that take care of itself. In other words, if you see anxiety, then you can say with the right attitude, oh yeah, I see that anxiety. Hello, anxiety, my old friend. Right? So that that's the whole way of, of looking at it is is that most people they they're anxious and uptight and they don't know it but it still makes them miserable and then when they see the uptight and the anxiety now they really hate it which just makes it more so because of the hatred but when we see it as a learning tool oh okay so right now in this circumstance i get agitated let me cool number one right now that i'm seeing it cool off and then number two examine what caused the anxiety what kind of thoughts or what kind of circumstances they are and so you can note that ah, i'm going to avoid that from now on Okay, so let us say that the guy has a dead daughter, and every time he has the dead daughter, uh, when he when he had the dead daughter in the first place, he had to do all the funeral and all that kind of stuff, and so he really wasn't dealing with his grief. But later, now, every time he thinks about his daughter, he goes into a state of grief. Mm -hmm. And he's not even aware that that's what's going on. But when he goes into a state of grief, he also is not easy to be around for other people. And he's not even knowing that he's not around other people. He's in his own mind thinking about his daughter. So he visits a psychologist and they work that out. And the psychologist says, OK, you become aware of these thoughts about your daughter and set them aside. Now, whenever the daughter comes up, now the grief is going to be 10 times bigger than it was before because he's aware of what he's doing. But slowly over time, he can say, no, I'm not going to think about her right now. I'm not going to wallow in this pity party of grief. I'm going to set her aside and go on with my life. Let dead daughters be dead in the past. 
Now, he will have that attitude 10 years after she dies. Why can't he have that attitude 10 days after she dies? Why does he have to keep going into this state of grief every time he thinks about her? Or why does it get more intense when he recognizes that that's what causes his to be miserable is thoughts about his daughter? And it doesn't matter how many thoughts he has about his daughter, it's not going to bring her back. Better to forget all about it. And so now he's got a learning tool. Oh, thoughts about my daughter are dangerous. Let's not go there. Let's not go into her room. Let's not carry a photograph of her in my wallet. Let's put things in the past and set them aside and let them go. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that there are many issues in our society will say Damarato says that. Wow, what a heartless criminal he is. <laughs> what, yeah. To forget okay. all about my dead relatives? I mean, the Chinese are really going to come after me with that because of the ancestor worship and all of that kind of stuff. But I'm just using daughter as an example because it's actually true about any and everything that you lose. Yeah, yeah. And like, I, can, I can relate to it, even though I haven't lost a child. Like, I've lost plenty of things where I, that I could still find myself thinking grieving thoughts and self-pitying thoughts even, you know, years after the loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like and we feel bad to... all over again for no reason at all other than we were not mindful of the kind of thoughts that we were having. We were not watching what we were doing. Yeah, and it, it, I feel like we do have to be kind of like heartless to ourselves just a little bit. Um, if reality like... is heartless, then absolutely we got to get real. Yeah, it's a good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty heartless, to be honest. So, that, in fact, that. Uh, that heartful thing, uh, another word for, for it is romantic. The age of romance or romantic, okay, we romanticize everything. Do you know what that means? We try to make it, but we don't want to see it the way that it is. We want it to be better than that. We want all love stories to end happily ever after, and not one of them does. It's romantic thinking that things are going to work out. They don't work out. Somebody dies or somebody gets killed. <laughs> Either in court. <laughs> I like that romantic thinking. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Like superstitious thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's heartful, right? So let's be heartless. Let's get real. Yeah. 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 And so that means let's put away the past. Let's not deal with it. We've talked about this before in the sense of remorse, remember? Because basically, one of my daughters is the bad deeds that I've done in my past. Uh huh. And so yes, I think yeah. about that daughter, I'm thinking about that wrong deed that, that I did. So me, I, me, my, my, but the reality is, is that I'm not like that. Not now, mm-hmm. I'm different. That's not my daughter. 
It's not me. Right? That's the whole idea of recognizing that you change. Going back to the story about the guy who was uh, sad and unhappy because he lost his daughter, that she died. Guess what? Now he's not a dad. He's not a dad with a dead daughter. Stop being a dad. Be who you are now. Instead of trying to be what you used to be. That's a really good point. Yeah. He's not a dad anymore. Yeah. He's not a dad anymore. You're that's not who I am anymore. That you're something new now. Every moment you're brand new. Why should we follow the rules and the dictates of the past when I've got a brand new day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of it could to for me has to do with worry. Like I'm worrying that if I don't if I don't stay in touch with um the past that i'm going to fall for the same sort of traps again uh today like if i'm not thinking about it and the really clear example that comes to mind is um unwholesome thoughts that are like ultimately unwholesome but they seem wholesome on the surface so there's like an instant gratification from thinking them um, the best right. example that comes to mind is like angry thoughts. There's the instant gratification, but then there's the crash. There's the coming back down. Precisely. Yeah. So when you become aware of those kind of things, that's when you could say, aha, there it is. You, you make note of it. Um, as I have told many of the students, you put that on your don't do that list. Because you recognize with your new cost-benefit analysis that it does not give you the benefit that you originally thought that it did. Mm-hmm. That, it, that we don't get that much gratification and we're going to have to put up with a whole lot of negative stuff. In other words, we've got to pay for this lunch and the payment is way more than the lunch is worth. When we see that, we'll start saying, don't eat at that restaurant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like that the advertising looks nice, but don't eat that because it costs too much. Yeah, mm-hmm. when the bill comes, it's too much. That's, right, when the bill I, comes, I it's too much. Like, That's the reality. The romantic only sees the delicious food and cannot see the bill coming. It's like being like a child versus like an adult. Like as a child, like you just see everything as like romantic but as an behind that image there's the reality it's a lot more harsh isn't that amazing yes that's what growing up is all about is the ability to weigh things out to see is this worth it or not and when you get good at that that's wisdom itself right 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 yeah like foresight you're seeing mm-hmm. in future what this is going to lead to and you're getting a better judgment now in the present moment of if you should pursue this or not because you see now where this leads Mm -hmm. yeah and so you wind up then being in a what is called a win-win situation you win and so do the people around you everybody becomes a winner Right. right 
as opposed to criminals, they win, but everybody else loses. Then they figure out that, wait a minute, that win was not worth it. (laughs) So the ones who go around lose-lose, where everybody loses, we could call those people just stupid. And the problem with stupid people is they stay stupid. And most of the world is stupid. Yeah, they exactly, don't do yeah. things. They don't do things that benefit themselves, and they don't do things that benefit other people. One sec. I'll be right back. One sec. Yeah, so it's like becoming wise is like becoming the the win-win person instead of the lose-lose, which is the stupid, or the win-lose, which is the criminal, or the helpless-hapless is the lose-win. Yeah. Right, right, You right. remembered. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, it's kind of... It's, Funny it's cool. I left that one out. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's cool to see like how, how these different states of mind, like we have like the kind of, like the obvious like stereotyped versions of like a criminal and then like a member of the like Democratic Party or um, what the example was. But then we have like, like really like micro level versions of these kind of I feel like in ourselves on like a more moment to moment basis like we have like them as kind of reactive like like a pattern where I'll react to a certain event or thought or something in like a certain way like I have like like sometimes I'll have like a negative thought and I'll react to it um based on like the causes and conditions like in a in a in a like a helpless kind of victimy way where I'll be like mm-hmm. like okay Mr. Negative Thought the world is all terrible you're right and then I'll take on that and the result is that I be like reborn as like a victim. Ah, and then um, that's the whole point though is is that you can in fact see that the world is in fact quite a mess and and see it almost like uh, a, a joke that the world is actually quite funny it's ridiculous how many stupid people there are going around acting stupid and expecting something new to happen it's a joke it's funny can you see right. it if you can yeah, see the humor yeah. in it then you're the winner you don't have to come back to the victim's position of really ain't it awful now our ain't it awful is humorous it's um ironic ain't it awful about how bad things are i mean yeah, have you now, seen have you seen what putin is doing in the ukraine i mean ain't it awful <laughs> it's funny we're like talking about these like human tragedies and like smiling it's it's quite absurd ain't it awful (laughs) right well we can sit here and be glum and be blue or that is that going to help either the ukrainians or putin no 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 not not at all no so it's our choice that here now we can be joyful 
never mind that the world is a terrible place for terrible people. That's not the world I'm in. Let the terrible place for the terrible people stay terrible, and I'm going to sit back and enjoy the show. You've heard in Shakespeare plays, there's got various kind of plays, like there's some of them that are tragedies. That in fact, most of his history plays are real tragedies, like Macbeth and Hamlet and whatnot like that. But then there's the other kind, which would be like a, a Midsummer Night's Dream and, and those kind of uh, um, uh, plays, which are a mixture of comedy and tragedy, a tragic comedy. And then there's the kind that are just a farce. Okay, everything is just funny. Well, guess what? That is an attitude for those in the audience. You can either see what's going on as a tragedy, you can see it as a tragic comedy, or you can see it as a farce. So it's better to see the world as a farce. It's farcical. It's ridiculously mm -hmm. funny. It's so bad <laughs> that it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's so bad. It's funny. Yeah, ain't yeah. it awful how bad the world is? Yeah, and it's like, I feel like it's like we're, it's like we're powerless to like do things about it, but we can laugh at how powerless we are, and now we have some power. Ah, but here is happy. the power. In fact, yes, I was just about to get to that, and and power is a good enough uh, uh, word to use to get into it, and that is is that the power is I don't have to get sucked into the tragedy. Yes, mm -hmm. the world is a tragedy, but it's not my tragedy. It's not mine. The world is not mine. Let it be what it is. Let it be my entertainment. Yeah, let me step back and be entertained by it instead of being confused and offended and angered and all that stuff. And that's the way that we were raised. And we were raised by people who were also stuck in it, offended, confused, didn't know what to do, but were surely ordered around to go do something. Everybody has the idea that things are so bad, they're so messed up that every, we got to get mobilized. Everybody's go get something to do. Let's go fix this. And in that environment, we wind up all being Keystone cops. What does that mean? Oh, you don't know about the Keystone cops? Oh, the Keystone cops were, uh, it was a comedy back in the uh, uh, time of uh, silent movies. Way before your time, okay? And in these silent movies, these police, uh, uh, the Keystone cops would, would run around and bang into each other, bang into the side of their truck, fall off the truck, all kinds of things. 
supposedly while some piano player was playing some honky tonky music that was that was funny. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so that's what the world is. The world is actually we are all um, officers in the core of Keystone Cops. We got to go fix the world and we got to go do it. And everybody's in a hurry. And so we keep running into each other and falling down because we're all trying to fix the world. But nobody's really quite sure exactly what it is that needs fixing in the world because there's so much to get fixed. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's like, we don't know what's going on, but we're trying to like solve it and stuff. But we, uh-huh. because we're like in the dukkha, we're, we can't see clearly like what we're doing is leading to what, right? The wisdom, like we talked about, we don't have the ability to see that me fixing this is going to lead to this problem over here. Mm-hmm. And this problem over here. Exactly so. So the thing to do is to stop trying to get anything done and look at what's going on so that we can now get our own hardware straightened out rather than trying to fix the world. And when we recognize that the world is actually just okay the way that it is, that it's not a tragic situation, that the world is just fine. There has been dog-eat-dogs. There have been Russian tanks for a long time. Right? That's just how things are. And we can either enjoy it and enjoy the show and recognize that the world is just fine. Planet Earth has got no problems at all, in fact. The only problems that exist are the problems that humans think exist. You stop seeing everything as a problem. That as uh, Achan Mahaboa has said, that the whole world is nothing but a toilet of shit. Knowing that the world is a toilet full of shit doesn't mean now that you have to go do something about a clogged toilet. You just walk away. You don't have to clean the toilet. That in fact, you found it a toilet full of shit. Leave it a toilet full of shit. It's not your problem. <laughs> and you can walk away from it with the attitude of, wow, I'm glad I don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah. True. True. I don't have to fix the world. It ain't broken. Yeah, or we can come in and try to fix it, but do it in a more intelligent way, right. because we, because we're not attached to what's happening in the world. Yeah, like, I know the intelligence will will spread shit all over the place. Oh really? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, guess. I guess I didn't have as much distance as, as I was thinking. With more distance, I would have seen that it's like not even worth it to engage with the talk. <laughs> Yeah, there is always shit to do. I mean, there's always shit everywhere. But, but that's what life is. Everything you eat turns to shit. Isn't that marvelous? Yeah, I mean, isn't that wonderful that everything you eat turns to shit? In a sense, yeah. Yeah, because what would you look like if it didn't? Good point. Very, very good point. <laughs> we would be like 1% human, 90% shit. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, there is shit everywhere. So what? <laughs> You're going to try to have a universe without it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's how we get started, though, is by going back and getting into seclusion, getting away from all the shit and getting the mind straightened out. Mm-hmm. And then slowly, slowly, we start dealing with shit until we recognize we don't have to deal with this shit anymore. Right, right, right. Yeah, so into seclusion, get into a wholesome state of mind. Then we leave seclusion and continue with that wholesome state of mind. And and um, and then we're... Go not- get our hands dirty again, and then yeah. we watch, watch what's happened. Okay, we go try to clean up some shit, and we wind up being covered with shit. Wait a minute, let me go into seclusion and and clean this stuff off again. And we do that a half a dozen or more times, maybe 40 or 50, or maybe four or 500 times until we eventually stop dealing with that shit and just leave it as shit. Because all you're going to do is just get covered with shit. That's the only thing that's going to (laughs) happen. Your choice. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sucks as well because I suppose, I mean, it doesn't suck. I mean, this is this is me. This is me covering myself in the shit, and I do see that. But I feel like I have like compassion for like the people who live in the shit, and you want to like. Oh, absolutely. But and, and they deserve a smile. Yeah. They just des- they deserve a helping hand. But they're going to try to grab you by the arm and pull you into their shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They will oh. do that. That's what most compassion is. Most compassion to... is being grabbed by the arm and pulled into the shit. I have a I have a question. Um, so basically, as my immediate reaction, as soon as I myself am not covered in feces, is that I want to help other people. That's like uh-huh. the immediate kind of reaction. I think. That's pretty normal, I guess. Like, there's like to, to to want to help others. It's like the compassion. It's like now I'm not suffering. Oh, now there are a lot of people suffering. Now I need to help them. That's but that's also um, unwise. Then, even well, though... look at it in the sense of gift giving. That you can't right now pull them out of their shit, but at least you can give them uh, a gift. The smallest gift you can give is really quite valuable, depending upon the circumstances, and that is the gift of a smile. Yeah, just the gift of a smile. That will help a lot. The other, the next one, which is a little bit more difficult to do, is to give them the gift of joy. Get them to start relax, to relax. Tell them a joke. Get them to stop thinking about whatever it was that covered them with shit. Because there's this, the analogy is there that shit is actually old. It's in the past. Shit's something that needs to be buried. It's like the dead. Mm. Okay. So, uh, that, uh, that's the way of looking at it is, is that we need to get someone, uh, if we have compassion, is to get them out of their past future shit and get them into the here now. 
mm-hmm. start dealing with it, which is exactly what we did with you when you were out on a run, feeling miserable and saying, well, next time. <laughs> All right. And what did I do? I said, no, let's go back to the right now. So that's the mudita is to bring them into the present moment. Right, right. You bring them out of all their mental shit and you bring them into into the present. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you don't wish them into being happy. You have to have skills of walking into that fire and not get burned. Right, so that and take your fire hose in there and spread some joy around. Yeah, yeah. And that takes a skill. And that skill is to develop in seclusion. Right. Because you right. put out your own fires and get yourself into a good state. Then you can begin to learn how to do that with other people. You can learn to tease someone who's angry. In just the right way to get them to see that this is not useful. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point, because then now they're laughing and smiling. They're not more yeah. angry. You didn't go overbalanced with it, where they're now more angry that you tease them. You hit just the middle way, right? Just the right mm-hmm. amount of teasing, and now they're smiling, and it's actually brought them out. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it's that middle way thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes- Get them to look at the humor of the situation. I gotcha, I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like saying, yeah, that bank must be run by a bunch of idiots. So you can agree with them. That's one of the things that, that helps get people out of anger is just, okay, I agree with you. Ain't it awful? <laughs> Ain't it awful? Ain't, Ain't it awful? awful? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's actually like the more kind thing in that situation is to agree with them and say like, yeah, you're right, basically. Like, let them be right, and then they'll be happy that they're right, and that will make them like more into the present moment and stuff, because now they're like happier and stuff. Yeah, that's cool. That's great. Okay, well, let's finish now, and I'll go off to see if Laurent's still on the, uh, the tube. Wonderful. Thank you, Damaris. This has been really helpful. Yeah. Once again, I'll call, you, I'll call you again in uh, in a couple days. I like and, that. But, you know, awesome. Great. I like I like to see you, Robert. I'm really enjoying you. Thank you. Thank you. I enjoy our company um, too. It's wonderful. Thank you very much. Okay. See you later. All right. Ciao.